We're all familiar with these psukim. Of course, they, found, they form the basis for the Haftorah that we say on Tanios. But the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah and Dafyad Chesam and Aleph tells us, commenting on these psukim, Elu Aseris Hayamim Shabain Rosh Hashanah Liyom Kippurim. That this focus of Drisha and Kriya, this focus of Tshuva, refers specifically to the period Bain Kesali Asar that we are now engaged in. The question arises, what does the Gemara mean by this? What is it about these ten days, beginning Rosh Hashanah and culminating at Yom Kippur, and particularly these intervening days where there is no Yom Tov, and where the identity, purpose, is less clear, at least more ambiguous, what is the status of these days? What do we mean that these are the, these are the days of Dirshu Hashem Bihimatso, of Kira'uhu Biyoso Karov? Is it simply coming on the heels of Rosh Hashanah in advance of Yom Kippur, the day of Kate Slicho Mechila, the Kalyachid or the time in which the Gemar Din will be rendered? So it's a last opportunity for Tshuva. And that in itself generates a certain urgency. This indeed is the view of the Marsha. The Marsha and Yavama, Staf Memches and the base, where the same Gemara appears, suggests that all the Gemara really has in mind is that this last gasp opportunity makes the period between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur more conducive and consequently also, since it is an opportunity not to be squandered, more urgent. But it would appear, according to the Marshal's understanding, that there is no fundamental status, no unique distinction between these days and other days. It's Rosh Hashanah and it's Yom Kippur, and the significance of the days in between is precisely that, the fact that they represent a last-ditch opportunity. However, if one looks at the Rambam and Perak Base of Hilchal's Tshuva, it seems clear that the Rambam understood that these ten days, indeed, have a special, unique status with respect to tshuva. And it would appear from the Gemara itself that the Rambam's understanding, the more ambitious understanding, is the correct one. The Rambam says, even though all year round is a time for tshuva, Basaras Hayamim Shabain Rosh Hashanah it's better, it's more conducive. And the tshuva is immediately received. Shenemar, quoting the same pasuk, Whenever the tzibor gets together with sincerity, and from there, the Rambam proceeds to discuss the even more unique status of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippurim uzman tshuva l'kal yachid v'l'rabim, hukeitz mechilo l'slicha l'Yisrael. It is the last opportunity. It's the time of tshuva for yachid and for rabim. 
Therefore, everyone is obligated to do tshuva and lihisvados to engage in the process of confession, of vidui, on Yom Kippur. So basically it would appear that according to the Rambam, we're not merely dealing with the last gasp, last gap opportunity, but with some special status. And indeed, if we examine the halachos associated with this period that we are now in, Ben Kesel Yassar, it becomes clear that there is quite a debate as to whether there is a special status for these 10 days, aside from the obvious fact that they represent the intervening period. <clears throat> and if so, whether that status is indeed meant to enhance Yom Kippur itself. For example, the Torah quotes Minag Svarad, but even on Shabbos, Ben Kesseli Asar, they would be Marbe Beslichos. Generally, of course, we don't say Slichos on Shabbos, Shabbos Melizok, it's not appropriate. And yet, during the week of Ben Kesseli Asar, according to this Minag Svarad, there's an exception to this rule. Tur in Simen Tafresh Beis quotes this very succinctly. And he is puzzled by it. I'm astonished, he says, at this practice. And he doesn't give an answer. The Beis Yosef, on the other hand, suggests a justification of Minak Svarad along the following lines. He says, the halacha command Amar Matri and Bishabis al Ir Sheikifu Oivim. If the city were to be sieged by enemies, wouldn't we, according to the halacha, in that circumstance, be Meria even on Shabbos? O Shitafu Nahar, let's say it was a natural disaster, not a, an attack or an assault. Wouldn't we, under these conditions, engage in Sa'aka? Lefi? Shehu Davar Nachutz? It's a matter of urgency. Since in this period of time the opportunity for the tefillah being accepted is greater than in other periods, and since man is preparing for his final the termination of his status, his fate, on Yom Kippur, davar nachutz yoter of course, he concludes, he disagrees, but he understands what underlies this minhag. The idea that Asar Yamim Shebein Roshan Yom Kippurim represent a halachic status, davar nachutz, something comparable to Ir Kifuhu Nahrim or Shitafun Nahar, the fact that it really is the last opportunity before Yom Kippur not being simply a practical matter, but a status in its own right, is clearly articulated by the Beis Yosef in his justification of the position of Chachmei Svara. We find other echoes of this debate regarding the status of Ben Kesel Yasser as well. In Masachat Sofrim, we're told, that, of course, on Rosh Hashanah and on Yom Kippur, 
because they are mishuna b'chasimasan, because the tefillos on these days are unique, whatever that means, therefore, they're also mishuna in other respects. So on that basis, the Masechet Sofrin justifies what we do, which is we insert bakoshos even in Gimel Rishonos and Gimel Achronos. The normal structure of Shimon Esrei is such that it's broken up into different sections. Each one is supposed to have its own integrity, not to be invaded by or violated by some other motif. So it's the Gimel Rishonos, Shevach, it's the Gimel Achronos, Hodah, and in between is the opportunity for Bakasha. Of course, on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we insert Zachreinu Lechayim, and Uchsov Lechayim Tovim, and so on. We really change, appear to violate the structure. But Masechet Sofrim indicates that this is justified, given the fact that the whole concept of tefillah, reflected in the Nusach tefillah, is simply unique on these days. It's more unique even than the run-of-the-mill Chag. After all, the Chasima on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur focuses not on the general Kedusha Sayom of every Yom Tov, the Kaddish Yisrael Bahazmanim, but specifically on the Kedusha Sayom of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. The Torah Tamima, just as a matter of interest, argues that this is really a mistake, and that in fact the Machzorim wrote uh, the Kaddish Yisrael Bahazmanim as a kind of uh, fill in the blanks, and that in every Chag, in the Kedusha Sayom, one should really insert the specific Kedusha Sayom of the Chag, Chag HaMatzos, Chag HaShavuos, Chag HaSukos, and so on. But it seems clear that the Machzorim that we have, that the Mishchos of the Rishonim can conform to the idea that there really is a change, that Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are unique. We don't focus on the generic Kedusha Sayom, the Kaddish Yisrael Vazmanim. Indeed, there are halachic echoes of the idea that maybe there aren't even routine chagim at all. The whole question of Simcha Rosh Hashanah, and especially Yom Kippur, is reflected in this discussion. So they're Mishunim in many, many ways. And therefore, and this needs to be pursued more fully, there can be Bakasha even in the Shevach. Maybe the Shevach of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur expresses itself in the ability, the comfort and the urgency, to ask Bakasha. Or maybe... Simply, the urgency, the crisis, the existential crisis of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur justifies simply violating that idea. Shevach, in the context of Bakasha and Hodah, is appropriate for these days. But, if you look at Masechet Sofrim, the clear implication is that this uh, unique, extraordinary even, violation of the integrity the normal structure of Shimon Esrei is going to be limited to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and will not extend beyond. And some Rishonim take this Masechet Sofrim, Shibali Aleket and others say this is what Masechet Sofrim says and this is what we should do. And therefore, they argue that a Sarasimei Tshuva, Ben Kesseliasar, these insertions are improper. The tour quotes this in Simintov Kuf base, quotes the Masechet Sofrim, I just mentioned, and B'chein Yetzir Masechet Sofrim, K'shem Shechasimason Shor Hashanah V'yom HaKippurim B'shuneh, Mishar Yom Em Tovim, Kach Tfilasan B'shuneh, V'ein Omrim Zachreinu B'gimel Rishonos, 
They barely permitted that. Of course, our minag is, as everybody knows, that we insert all of these things throughout the week. The other Abba, the tour takes it a step further. Tomati, Neolam, Lama ein omrim uvchein tein pachtecha kol aserasim ei tshuva. Demaishno zeh tosefes, shavibirchas kedushas Hashem, vimashav osifin v'avos uvvuros. And this might be something that would appeal certainly to the chazanim. The idea that we would say, v'chein tein pachtecha, and all the tvilos every single day of aserasim ei tshuva. And conceptually, it appealed to the tour as well. Why don't we say it? if we can add and change the structure of tefillah with respect to avos and gvuros, then why not? Why not Kedusha Sashem? The Shamati, he says, sheyesh mekomos shenog in the omro. However, of course, this is not our minag either. So we have here two extremes. The view of Masachat Sofrim, accepted by some of the Rishonim, that Aserosim Echuva have no Azkaros, and then the extreme opposite view, that you'll even say, and so on. I should just add as a, an aside, Beit Yosef quotes in the name of the Kolbo, that all these sections really correspond to Malchios, Zichronos, and Shofros. And he elaborates why that is. That in itself might explain the position that we do not extend these to Aserosim Echuva, although of course, it would impose upon us the added burden of explaining why we do say the Manyam Kippur. But the fact is that, again, what emerges is a halachic discussion whether the period of Ben Kesseliasar really is integrated in a halachic way to the period of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It has a special status with respect to Tshuva and Tvila and Bakasha, even to the point of inserting Bakasha in Gimel Rishonos or Gimel Achronos, maybe even more, and so on, or not. There are other issues as well that reflect on this question. The status of Slichos, and perhaps the differences between Slichos before Rosh Hashanah and after Rosh Hashanah. The idea that we cordon off the period, the end of a Ben Kesseliasa period, from the era of Yom Kippur, is certainly, certainly food for thought, the fact that the slichos of Erev Yom Kippur are shorter, and again, qualitatively different if we analyze them, so the biduyim, the amount of biduyim, then the period of Aserosim Echuva, all of which are suggestive of the fact that there is a certain tension between the status of that final day as Erev Yom Kippur, as opposed to simply one of the period of Aserosim Echuva. There are other issues discussed as well, which I'm not going to go into now, although I think that they do significantly um, reflect on the unique nature of this period. The discussion in the postgame, whether one should say um, Kiddush Levana before Yom Kippur or Dafka, one should wait till after, whether it's preferable to complete any kind of Din Torah during this period, or again, specifically one should actually wait till after Yom Kippur, whether it's better or worse to get married during this period, whether the idea of mochlin lo kolav a theme associated with marriage 
is something that is consistent with Aserasi Mechuva, or Dafka kind of steals the thunder of Yitzumo Shoyom. All these are discussed by various poskim in the Shulchan Aruch. All of them, I think, reflect on struggle as to understanding what Aserasi Mechuva are really about. Just briefly, I'd like to suggest a certain approach to understanding why it is that Aserasi Mechuva really may be a significant period, not only because of the urgency of pre-Yom Kippur, but because they contribute substantively to the period of Yom Kippur itself, and are the appropriate bridge, therefore, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. To understand this, though, we need to look, at least briefly, at the unique concept of tshuva on Yom Kippur itself. After all, there is a chiyuv of tshuva, kol According to the Ramban, it's perish al Torah at the end of Devarim, just read a couple of weeks ago. The pasuk ki mitzvah hazos, this mitzvah, which mitzvah, right? The one about which the Torah says, lo me'ever layam, this special mitzvah, Torah concludes in describing it, b'ficha u'bivavcha la'asoso, Everybody has the ability to attain, to achieve this mitzvah, the ficha ubilvavcha, the peh, through tefillah, through vidui, bilvavcha, through tshuva. According to the Ramban, this refers to the mitzvah of tshuva, kol hashana. There are many mamari chazal that establish unequivocally that the mitzvah of tshuva has no limitations in time, it applies all year round. It applies for one's entire lifetime. Afilu lifnei moso, shachas lifnei moso, if a person returns through the proper process of tshuva, he can have an effective slicha umechila. So what is there then about Yom Kippur that is unique? Well, first we should establish if indeed the tshuva of Yom Kippur is unique. It's well known that Rabbi Yonah quotes a separate makar for that tshuva. That he focuses on the concept of tahara, of purity. Rebellionu understands that lefnei Hashem titaharu is in fact a tzivui. It's an imperative. It is the source that establishes a special obligation of tshuva through tahara on Yom Kippur. And the question the Achronim ask is, why is there need for a special mitzvah of tshuva on Yom Kippur, given the idea, pervasive in Chazal, that tshuva is all year round, all one's life? Likewise, the Sefer Chinuch. Sefer Chinuch discusses the mitzvah of tshuva, makes it perfectly clear that it applies at all times, and then concludes and says that if a person refuses to do tshuva on Yom Kippur, then under those conditions, he is involved in a bitul mitzvah The implication being that the chiyuv to do tshuva, the mitzvah to do tshuva, is all year round. But the bitul of mitzvah tshuva is limited to ignoring, passing over the opportunity on Yom Kippur. Again, Maybe not a separate makar, not a separate idea, but certainly 
qualitatively a different perspective on tshuva for Yom Kippur. And likewise, the Rambam. I read before the words of the Rambam in Perik Basil, because tshuva halacha ches. When the Rambam says, halacha zayin, excuse me, Yom HaKippurim was man tshuva l'kal yachid ol arabim, v'uketz mechid ol slicha l'Yisrael. Lefika chayavim hakol lasos tshuva ul hisvados v'yom HaKippurim. The Rambam, as is well known, does not formulate a chiyuv to do tshuva in the beginning of Hilchos tshuva. He formulates the chiyuv, the mitzvah, to do vidui, to confess in the context of doing tshuva. And much has been discussed about this position of the Rambam. Why is it that the Rambam does not focus on the obligation to do tshuva? Instead, he focuses on the method the mechanism, the vehicle, vidui. What's not as well known is the fact that this section that I just read is the only time that the Rambam in Tshuva speaks about a chiyuv to do tshuva. And it's only in the context of Yom Kippur. The Rambam seems to be telling us that all year round the focus is vidui. And on Yom Kippur, the obligation includes tshuva. Of course, there's another implication, one which I'm not going to pursue this evening, and that is that since the Rambam does not count Tshuva of Yom Kippur and Tshuva of Kalashana as two separate mitzvos, not in Sefer Mitzvos and not in the Koteret Tehuchos Tshuva, the implication would seem to be that Vidui, Kalashana, and Chi of Tshuva of Yom Kippur are somehow two sides of the same coin. Again, that requires more of an explanation than I have time at the moment um, uh, to develop. In any case, Rabbeinu Yonah, the Rambam, Sefer Chinuch, each in his own way, establishes that there is a special dimension of tshuva on Yom Kippur, notwithstanding the fact that tshuva certainly applies all year round. What is it about tshuva Yom Kippur that justifies the special treatment? I think, however, the answer is really quite simple, and it's reflected in general in the Rambam's treatment in Nuchos Tshuva. There really are two perspectives on Tshuva, just as I once heard from Mori Varabi, Rav Lichtenstein Shlita, there are two concepts of Cheshvan and Nefesh. One kind of Cheshvan and Nefesh focuses on the application. Basically, what it means is that a person has a certain set of values. He adopts a certain worldview. And the question then is, to what extent is he consistent? Is he conforming to the principles that he has already committed to? Then, of course, there's another cheshvan and nefesh. And that is when one begins to question his core commitments themselves, his worldview. But to begin to reassess whether or not one is clinging to the wrong values, or one needs to embrace the right values more intensely, and so on. These two types of Cheshvan and Nefesh are also reflected in two types of Tshuva. Clearly, there is Tshuva that focuses on the rectifying of a particular Chet, the neutralizing of a particular Chet. What the Ramban in his Drosh the Rosh Hashanah calls removing oneself from a state of merit. If a person is involved in chet, 
He rebels against the Rabboni Shalom. He has to repair the relationship. And the first stage, certainly, is to do something to remove that blight. Hopefully, that will take down or at least begin the process of repairing the relationship and removing the Mechitza HaMachzika Beno Levein Aviv Shabashamai. And that aspect of tshuva is reflected in the Rambam right in the beginning of Hilchus tshuva. The Rambam speaks about particular chataim, their chomer, and the tshuva that is necessary for them. At the same time, the Rambam also speaks, again, I don't want to elaborate too much, don't have the time, the Rambam also speaks about a more general concept of tshuva. The Rambam speaks about a tshuva which transforms the individual. Perhaps, the most powerful formulation of it is precisely the Rambam that leads in to a discussion of Aserasim Tshuva and Yom Kippur. Perik Beis, Sukhus Tshuva Halacha Dalid, Midarke HaTshuva Lios HaShav Tzoeik Tamid. It is the way of Tshuva, the methodology of Tshuva, that the Baal Tshuva is constantly Tzoeik, crying out in crisis, Lefnei Hashem, Bebechi, Betachnunim, crying in supplication, it's a broad agenda. He gives tzedakah to the best of his ability. This is only the third or fourth thing, not the first, that he does. Distances himself from the hate that brought him here. And then, of course, more powerfully, and he transforms his real identity, changes his name. I am not the same person involved in those Chatoim. Mishanim Masov, not just the actions that brought him there, but Kulon Litova, or the Derech Yishara. The Golem Imekomo, Shegolis Mechaperis Avon, Shegoremis Lihichana, Vilios Anabush Faruach. This is a very ambitious agenda of Tshuva, going way beyond neutralizing the particular Avera and crisis that brought him there. It's the Tshuva Sagavra of transformation. The Salevi, in one of his drushes, explains that when a person is involved in Chet, and possibly this is one of the explanations of Avera, Goreras, Avera, one sin leading to another, it generates in him a Tshuka, Lechet, a passion. It transforms him and makes him susceptible, changes his personality with respect to the way in which he relates generally to Chet. The Salevi gives the Mashal for machalos asuros. When a person eats machalos asuros in a pot, there are really two levels that he has to contend with. First and foremost, he has to get rid of the ben shaliser. He has to wash out the pot and get rid of the ben. But, having done that, he still has not completed the hechsher of that kli. He still has to worry about the blias iser shebedefane hakli. And that requires either Hagala or Libun, and itself is an interesting point, two different approaches. Removing even the Bliyas Iser, which of course is more difficult than the superficial process of simply cleaning out the Ba'en. In some cases, burning out Libun, destroying the Bliyas Iser. The Beit Halevi says, Tshuva is a process that also has that kind of broad agenda. First you have to get rid of the Chet, but beyond that, you have to get rid of the Blias Isur equivalent as well. The Rav Zeich HaTzadik Lebracha and his drashos, Tshuva drashos, used to explain that Chet, in addition 
to the obvious is also mitame. In addition to kapara, there's a concept of tahara. Again, very similar to this same um, configuration, Vesalevi and of others. In other words, tshuva needs to relate not only to the specific hate, but to the transformation of the total religious personality. Yom Kippur and the tshuva of Yom Kippur unquestionably relates especially to that second component, that more ambitious component. After all, Yom Kippur is a day in the calendar. Unlike the beginning of the Ramah Menuchas Tshuva, the response of Tshuva is not to a particular action that one does, it's to a time of the year. The fact that it is divorced from, an indiv- from a specific Maisavera itself makes more conducive and more urgent the need for the broader Cheshvan and Nefesh, and parallel to that, the kind of tshuva midarke ha that the Ramam spells out in Perak Beis um, of Hilch's tshuva halacha that we just read. It's fascinating that this, as I say, leads in to halacha vav, afapisha tshuva tzaka yafali olam, basar yamen shaben roshon aliyom kipurim, the special status of ben kesali asar, and then from there, halacha zayin, to the special chiyuv of tshuva on Yom Kippur. What the Rambam is telling us is that the concept of midarki ha is particularly conducive to this period precisely because, because it is the calendar and not a maisa which provokes the tshuva. And because of that, there's not only a chiyuv vidui, but a chiyuv to do tshuva. The normal chiyuv to do tshuva it's not a separate mitzvah because it's simply a result of being in a state of mered, like the Ramban explains. The chiyuv in that circumstance is the methodology of tshuva, vidui. But in Yom Kippur, which is artificial chiyuv tshuva in one respect, the day of the year, the Ramban tells us there is a chiyuv to do tshuva because that chiyuv reflects already that we are taking the more transcendent view of chet, of tshuva, of being a bal tshuva. If this is so, then we can perhaps understand better the role of Ben Kesteliasar. Because while one can always neutralize individual Averos any day of the year, and with very little preparation, not suggesting that it isn't a serious process, it is. But it's a process that can be undertaken without great hachanos. The tshuva of Midarke HaTshuva, the tshuva required for the chi of tshuva of the Rambam, the tshuva of the special pasuk of Rabbi Yonah, tahara, I might add. And as we know, tahara has to be comprehensive. If you want to be tovel in a mikvah, you have to be tovel entirely. The idea of there being a day of the year where not only the zakhi of tshuva, but in avar veloshav, hareza bitam mitzvah the idea of the sefer chinuch, none of that can take place by snapping one's fingers. That requires... Serious introspection and preparation begins at Rosh Hashanah, a day of difficult choices and complexity, a day of urgency, but it can't stop there and just wait for Yom Kippur. The period of Ben Kesseli Asar is halachically significant as an ace Ratzon and as an ace Nachutz and an ace Tzara, exactly as the postgame explained, precisely because there cannot be a Chiv Tshuva on Yom Kippur of such ambition, unless there is first a special status and stature to the days that preceded for the hard work 
for the difficult process to begin. Bali Musa speak about Ben Adam Lamakom and Ben Adam Lachavero as not being the only categories, but also of Ben Adam Liatzmo. The idea of introspection, of reassessing one's values, one's priorities, Ben Adam Liatzmo is the special challenge of Ben Kesel Yasser, to bring one to the point where the Chi of Tshuva of Yom Kippur can be accomplished. In this sense, it's Dirshu Hashem. It requires Drisha V'chakira. And it's Behimatzo. It's also Kira'uhu, the emotional aspect, Biyoso Karov, the feeling that this really is an opportunity. If this is true and significant every year, I think this idea is particularly significant and meaningful for us this year. A year has passed. Today is the secular, of course, uh, commemoration of 9-11. Generally, passage of a year, of course, normally it would be in the halachic calendar, is time for yard site. A yard site is different than the day of Aninus and Shiva and Shloshim. It's supposed to provide us with perspective. It's supposed to give us greater wisdom from the distance of the event, to appreciate the loss, to put it into perspective, and so on. Given the magnitude, though, of 9-11, the sheer losses and the continuing implications, it's difficult to know whether this yard site has allowed for sufficient time. It's questionable whether or not the principle established in the mission of Os, consolation is inappropriate when the mace has yet to be buried. It's hard to know whether or not this continues to apply or not. And not only because, fortunately, tragically, there are many people for whom at least there is a literal still, not perhaps halachically, but certainly physically, but even more so, we can witness the, the panic of the last 24 hours, and not just panic, legitimate panic. We remain in a state of siege, the sense of vulnerability, very much meso mutalafana. It's difficult to know how to react. That, of course, is a parsha in its own right, which I don't want to trivialize by only making quick reference to. It's evident that we need to associate ourselves with the principle of empathy, bechi and tzaka, the idea of being mishtatef b'tzarasan, that any act of chesed that can be done to the victims, that any engagement that would be helpful in combating the powers of evil, whether it be political activism and pressure, or any other such things, whether the evil of America's war, or the parallel evil, which of course, close to our hearts, the implacable foe that we face in Eretz Yisrael. It's obvious that being that doing whatever we can in terms of chesed, say political support, all of these are clearly necessary. Underscoring, reinforcing the values that have been challenged in the acts of Axarius that have taken place is also critical. The need to recommit, to rededicate not only to Chesed, but to the broader notions of Tzelem Elohim, Rubachar Tabachayim, 
and Kedusha Sakhaim, all of these certainly are part of the process. But it's also necessary that we undergo Cheshbon HaNefesh. And by Cheshbon HaNefesh, I don't mean spiritual scapegoating, which I don't want to elaborate on at the moment, the attempt to put the blame on a segment of the population, or the spiritual rush to judgment to try to speculate about what theologically could be the motivation for such an attack. I think that those are generally counterproductive, in some cases more than counterproductive. The problem of Mepnei Chata'enu and Sadiq Peralo is extremely complex. We do have those concepts, but we need to understand them better. And again, I won't trivialize them by trying to summarize the proper approach, or what I think is the proper approach, Aregalachas. But what is clear is that in any agenda of proper response to 9-11 or any other such calamity, tshuva is crucial. It is the central component. The Rambam says it quite clearly in Perak Aleph, Hilchos, Tanis, right in the beginning, in very powerful words. I'm just going to read it. Take two more minutes. The Ramam Nechostanis tells us delineates the proper response to calamity. The first response that is required is za'aka and trua. Of course, this resonates with us at this period of the year because the same words tzoek, tamid, meria, these are the words that echo in our minds. We just read them in Uchus Tshuva. Of course, the Kol Shofar, which is all about Za'aka and Trua, continues to resonate in our mind. And then the Rambam explains, Dabar zeh mi darke ha-tshuvahu, shebizman shetavot sarav yezako alecha v'yariu, if a person reacts to calamity by shouting out, that everybody will accept the idea that we should take collective responsibility, that somehow our own inequities, our own flaws, play a role in all of this. If we do nothing and we claim that there's nothing to do with us. We're insulated from it all. There's a coincidence. That in itself represents cruelty and viciousness. And is counterproductive. The Rambam here suggests that tshuva is the normative response to suffering. I do not believe that the Rambam means here that one should be looking specifically only for a single explanation. That's much too narrow. I think what the Ramah is saying is we should project as if we are responsible. This flows from the language of the Rambam in Parakei, Bukhus Tanios, with regard to Tanesim. Ram says, all Tanesim generate midarke hachuva. We should use the opportunity, exploit our, our vulnerability when we contemplate the events of the past, and that should spur us to do tshuva. Ramah is telling us that we have to act as if we are responsible because 
While we cannot always control what takes place in the world, we can always have input into the way in which we respond. And if we can refashion ourselves spiritually, re-examine our priorities, try to assess what is significant and meaningful about life, from our point of view, the life of Torah mitzvahs, when we feel vulnerable and challenged to remember what it is that we live for, what are our objectives, if we can do that, then A, perhaps we'll deserve greater protection, B, maybe we will uncover flaws that may contribute, but more important than all of that, C, whether or not any of this specifically was responsible for our plight, we will have used tragedy as a catalyst for self-improvement. And while that does not lessen necessarily the pain, it is a positive and constructive response. What's fascinating is that the Rambam's terminology here in Nukostanis, the Dabar Zembi Darke Hachuva, is exactly the language that he uses to introduce the special Tshuva of Aserosimei Tshuva and Yom Kippurim. There too, Midarke Hachuva. And that is precisely the Tshuva of Aserosimei Tshuva and Yom Kippur. Mishane Shemo, Klomar, Eni Oso Haish, Umishane Komas of Litov. Not just the specific action which he thinks brought him to this particular point. The idea, of course, being that whether it be the tsara that is existential, the knowledge that I'm facing in Yom Kippur, the Gmar Din, the calendar dictates that Itzuma Shayom is on the way. And, like the words of the Beis Yosef, should that be really less than Ikifu, Oivim, or Shatfun Naharim, that should be, in our minds, the equivalent of a physical crisis of survival. Yom Kippur is coming. It's time to reassess our priorities, to make sure that they are in line. It's time to refashion ourselves. And certainly this is true from the Hilchostainus perspective. When a tzara is baal at Sibor, it is time for taking stock. It's time for self-improvement. It has nothing to do with only, or it's not limited by only trying to figure out why it happened, more important, to take a constructive step to make the tragedy a catalyst for spiritual growth. And in this sense, I think we can appreciate more fully that our obligation, and these are Sarasim Chuba, is really accented. The Medrash says, Yeshu Hashem Matso Kro'u Karov, is addressed specifically to Yoshe Besamedrish and Yoshe Besakneses. The Medrash understood that Drisha Vachakira, while an ideal for everyone, is going to be better appreciated by people who are already committed and in an environment, the Besamedrish and the Besakneses, with the guidance of Tamir Chachamim, Rabbanim, who understand the uniqueness of a Torah way of life. And therefore, the Drisha of Chakira that is necessary to this process, is something which each and every one of us, Yoshe Besamedrish, Yoshe Besaknesis alike, can appreciate and can rededicate to. And finally, I'd just like to conclude with a, the words of Yerushalmi, which I think are very telling. On the one hand, 
We are in an ace tsara. Externally, in our situation, and as I say, existentially, halachically, we're on the verge of Yom Kippur. And yet, Chazal tell us that our approach should not be one of panic, but our approach should be one of confidence, as long as that confidence is rooted in a commitment to engage in the tshuva, the tefillah, and the tzedakah that ultimately will liberate us. Rushalmi says with respect to Rosh Hashanah, with this I conclude, Amarab Simon, Ksiv mi goy gadol. Pasuk says, mi goy gadol. Abchanin of Rabbi Yoshua, Chadamar eza umak umazos. Who is like Klal Yisrael? Sheyodin ofya shelelokeha. Who understand the nature of their God. Benoik shebaolam adam sheish lodin. Normally when a person finds himself in crisis, he's about to be judged, his fate is about to be sealed. Love shechorim, he dresses in black. Umskase shechorim, umegadal zekano, and he lets his beard grow. Veinachotek tziparnav, he neglects his entire physical appearance. Vevisheini odea ech dina yotzei, he can't focus even on his physical appearance when his very life is at stake. Aval Yisrael einon kein. Klal Yisrael, who live according to the halacha, understand that this is not the proper approach. Rather, lovshim levanim, they dress in white, misatfim levanim, they cover themselves in white, megalchim zakanam, chotchim tziparnehem, they take care of all their physical needs, dress immaculately, even royally, certainly with a sense of dignity and with a sense of confidence. The ochlin, the shosin, the referring, of course, to Rosh Hashanah, not Yom Kippur, it's with this sense of confidence on the one hand, but with total commitment to engage in the kind of ambitious tshuva required midarke tshuva by Ace Tzara and by Yom Kippur alike. But I'd like to wish all of you a gemar simatova. Bounce back on the Korban Pesach, so that's a tragedy, because the shmalt of the Korban Pesach, the spritz is on the walls, is not getting cooked.